What's up, Fight Fans, and welcome to an all-new episode of The Mat here on Final Timeout Sports. I am your host, Forbes Crowley, joined by my co-host, as always, Fernando Doctors. For this sixth episode of The Mat, we're going to be recapping UFC 277 with the two title fights and then looking ahead to UFC uh, Fight Night, Santos versus Hill, tomorrow night. A uh, whole lot of action, a lot of great fights in that uh, UFC 277 fight. Um, you know, I'll, I'll kick it off with the the Ankalov versus Smith fight. Went fairly kind of how we expected, pretty one-sided. Um, Ankalov striking was pretty pretty clean and fast, just definitely outpacing Smith. Um, seemed that uh, saying that Smith had some sort of uh, ankle injury towards the end of the first round. He thought he'd broken his ankle. Um, still made it through the first round, which honestly was impressive. Um, but yeah, second round, Uncle Av was just overwhelming. Showed, you know, great power, able to get Smith to go to the ground, whether or not that was because of the ankle injury or the strikes, but um, then able to get the finish. So kind of looking ahead for Anthony Smith, uh, number fifth ranked lightweight as of now. I honestly thought he was going to drop back a couple more spots. Um, thinking about, you know, his next fight, I was looking at the rankings, um, and I completely forgot that, you know, Dominic Reyes has been, uh, talking about him coming back and, you know, he kind of had that, that three fight skid after, uh, challenging John Jones for the light heavyweight, uh, belt where it was an extremely competitive fight, you know, really pushed John Jones to the brink, uh, but did end up losing. Then, uh, I believe he lost to Jan and then had a brutal spinning back fist uh, knockout at the hands of current light heavyweight champiery. So, you know, he's fought all three, or three of four past light heavyweight champions, um, lost all of them, but has mentioned that he's ready to come back, get back into the competition, and fight again for that light heavyweight belt. So I think, you know, two guys who potentially... One of them's on their way out. One of them's trying to prove that they still have it enough to uh, fight in the light heavyweight division. So I think an Anthony Smith, Dominic Reyes fight could definitely be pretty exciting. Um, you know, I think Smith can still have competitive fights in the light heavyweight division, but um, you know, some of these guys, uh, these younger guys at the top half of the division, are just you know too quick, too fast for him. Uh, I see him talk, you know, fighting a, maybe a guy between 10 and 15 in the rankings next, if it's not Dominic Reyes. Um, as for Ankalov, uh, like I said before, I didn't think that a win, no matter the style, would get him a, uh, a title fight because partially just Yuri has said, already committed to a, um, you know, a rematch with Glover Teixeira. So I think the most reasonable fight would for him would be uh, against Jan, the Polish power. Um, that'll be kind of a title eliminator because even if Yuri doesn't fight Glover, he's most likely fighting Jan. So um, Ankalev fighting one, either Jan or Glover um, as a kind of a title eliminator uh, to then fight the winner of whoever Yuri fights next. Um, I don't know. I was, you know, happy that I finally kind of snapped my losing streak on bets. Got, got one right, but... Wasn't super happy to see Anthony Smith, a guy that I like, go down like that. But, uh, you know, well, let me know your thoughts on this one, Nando. Forbes, I mean, we really got what we expected on this one. Ankalov definitely put up 
up a, a pretty convincing victory. And, you know, he's definitely itching for that title fight soon. But like you said, I don't think he's going to get it. I think he's going to have to have one fight in between. And who better than, you know, Polish Jan? Um, so I think it's, uh, you know, an appropriate time now to... Uh, to head into the next fight, you know, um, a bit of a disappointment between, you know, Derek Lewis fighting at home in Texas versus, you know, the big and bad Sergey Pavlovich, Pavlovich, excuse me. Um, I definitely think it's fair to say that uh, it was an early interruption. What do you think, Forbes? Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I think Dana White said it best in the you know post-fight press conference, saying that you can't ever really fault one of these refs for for stopping a fight like that. You know, um, very well could have been out. You know, but it's it's also Derek Lewis, a guy that we've seen recover from situations like that time and time again. Um, so I think that you need to kind of understand the fighters as well of just as just the fight and know that, you know, this is a guy who's been on the brink of, you know, lights out um, and come back and gotten knockout wins um, or battled through. So definitely an early stoppage, especially um, in Lewis's home state of Texas. So it was, it was, it was frustrating for sure. But then at the same time, you know, you can't, take anything away from Pavlovich he definitely caught Lewis with a a clean right hand I believe um right over the top uh had him wobbled then you know he did drop him uh we don't know if Lewis had had the chance to recover if he even would have been able to so you do have to still credit Pavlovich with the win um but yeah it's tough you know Lewis only took 15 strikes um, we've kind of seen when he's fallen forward like that, that he's not as compromised as when he's fallen on his back. When he's fallen on his back, that's usually when um, he's been completely compromised and kind of, you know, fight should be definitely stopped. But he's recovered when he's fallen forward like that. Um, definitely disappointing. You know, it's it's hard looking forward in the heavyweight division. Um, I feel like that's one of the most confusing divisions right now, um, given the you know uncertainty on Francis Ngannou's contract if he'll come back you know he's been talking about a Tyson Fury fight um since before he fought Cyril Gan he's also still recovering from you know torn ACL that he fought with uh in that Cyril Gan title fight so um you know then on top of that you have John Jones trying to come into the heavyweight division potentially fighting uh Stipe Miocic um and then behind that, I think a lot of guys still, you know, already have um, fights booked. So I could see him fighting maybe a, a Chris Dawkins or a um, Derzino Rosenstruck to try and, you know, get himself back and his career back on track. I mean, this is second straight loss uh, to two guys who are now top five in the division. So you can't say that Lewis is, you know, on his way out or lost a step. You know, these are two guys who could very well be uh fighting for the title pretty soon. Um, you know, on the other side of it, Pavlovich shot, I believe, up to fifth, uh, sixth ranked heavyweight in the division now. Um, so I think a good matchup for him could be Curtis Blades. You know, Pavlovich fought for one minute before, uh, you know, he got the 
KO win, TKO win. Um, Curtis Blades fought about 30 seconds before Aspinall threw that kick and, and went down. I don't think he even took a single punch. I think both both fighters could have a pretty quick turnaround um, and deliver after, you know, their fights were pretty disappointing. Not Curtis Blades or Sergio Pavlovich's fault, but, you know, when you see a heavyweight fight on the card, you're expecting fireworks, and uh, I would say they neither have exactly delivered. Um, so, you know, I think that it could be exciting. Sergey Pavlovich versus Ty Tuivasa could have been fun. Um, you know, two guys who really shot up the rankings, but Ty's fighting Cyril Gaon in early September, which is going to be, uh, you know, an interesting fight. I think, uh, you know, you have super technical versus a semi brawler. Um, so it'll be, it'll definitely be fun to see. Um, yeah. Do you have any, any extra thoughts on, on that one? You know, back when uh, Derek Lewis and Tuivasa fought, um, you know, in February, it was uh, it was like you know, Tuivasa was going to be knocked out, and you know, in like the first round, yeah, he kind of you know, like you said, is a bit of that brawl. You know, he just throws punches, but he he takes punches, and then you know what, he turned the tide in the second round and caught you know Derek Lewis. Um, so to see Derek Lewis go down, you know, um, in this light, it's, it's almost a bit ironic. Like, his last two fights, he thought he got Tuivasa, but Tuivasa, you know, just couldn't couldn't get KO'd low-key, and and now he goes down yet again. Um, so that's that's a bit disappointing. Um, but you know what? Um, it is what it is. Like you, like you mentioned, safety is important in something. Um, you know, Dana White is has in the back of his mind at all times, you know, because it's tough when, when guys are, you know, considered defenseless, you know, because we're talking, we're talking heavyweights. Yeah. Um, and a lot of power behind those punches. But at the same right, I feel like these heavyweights also take it differently. Um, I feel like they, you know, the heavyweights, it's almost a bit, you know, like you gotta, you gotta give them that opportunity to, to keep going if they can. You know, I think they, you know, it is, it is a grueling sport, but, uh, but you know, in the same light, like these guys know what they signed up for, you know what I mean? And you should, uh, they should have the opportunity to take a beating, you know, if they think that they can continue, you know, going, but it is sad. And I do understand nevertheless. Yeah. It, it's definitely something that's tough to see happen to Lewis two times in a row. Um, you know, when he's kind of the knockout artist, I guess one silver lining there is Dana White said that, you know, this doesn't affect his position with the UFC um, that he kind of understands that this is an early stoppage. Derek Lewis is still that guy, um, and I'm sure he'll be fighting, you know, a top heavyweight in, you know, five, six months. So that now brings us to one of two title fights. Uh, this one, the flyweight interim title fight between uh, Brandon Moreno versus Kai Don't Blink Cara France, um, who's not from France. Um, this is a crazy fight. Nando, let me know what were your thoughts when watching this one. Yeah, so Forbes, this one was interesting. Car France could really uh, pulled one out here um, in the third, you know, 
with that elbow, that mean elbow to Moreno's eye. But, you know, I think Moreno definitely had control on this one. Um, momentum didn't really sway too much after that. As you know, Moreno was able to to throw a kick to the chest and, and do it later that round. But, you know, this, this is, you know, what the fans wanted because, you know, what this means for us. We're setting up, you know, a UFC historic fight here. Uh, round four that is against Figueredo, uh, which should be which should be awesome, you know, especially that, especially because sorry, it is you know after they are one one and one against each other. Um, so I honestly am looking forward to that one. Uh, what were your thoughts on the on the fight? Yeah, I mean, I love this fight. Like you, yeah, I thought for a second that you know Car France had an opportunity in the third. Um, he had some control on Moreno, landed that brutal um, elbow to the face, opened up that deep, deep cut um, on Moreno's eye, or uh, just under in his cheek. Um, that you saw even after he had stitches, uh, when he found out he got fight of the night, um, he started celebrating and like reopened it. I mean, it was a, a deep, thick cut, so and that was gushing. Um, but then, yeah, Moreno able to scramble back and then landed one of the hardest kicks, you know, I've ever seen. I thought that Car France could have, like, a ruptured spleen or something in there because I don't know if you saw the video after, um, but it was gnarly and red. Um, and so that was exciting. And now, yeah, kind of like we predicted – uh, sets up a fourth and most likely final fight uh, between Brendan Moreno and Davison Figueiredo. Um, you know, it's going to be fun. It was fun to see um, Davison come in to the, uh, the octagon afterwards. Um, I definitely in the corner of, I thought that Moreno won the last fight and that, um, you know, he's always just been the nicer better person than uh Figueredo. he uh Figueredo always made excuses after he he lost after he um they had the draw you know and and then you know while they were setting up this interim title fight because Figueroa was injured I believe it was a wrist injury said that he was gonna wasn't gonna be ready until you know maybe December or January um he threatened to leave the division saying he's like oh I'm never gonna fly, fight in the flyweight division again um, and everyone was kind of just like, okay, so, um, and then he, you know, backed down and was like, I'll be ready in yeah December or January. And that was, uh, something that his team released a little before the fight, which was pretty big because then Moreno, when they were in the octagon together after the fight said, okay, you just said you'll be ready in December or January. I'll be ready by then too. Let's do it. Um, which is pretty badass in my opinion on Moreno's part, kind of just being like, you know, I could have just, you know, I still don't know necessarily uh, the extent of the injuries I may have suffered in this fight. Um, could have a, you know, broken cheekbone, orbital bone, something like that. But he's saying, you know, I'll fight you in December, February, January, because that's when you said you're going to be ready. Um, and in my mind, I think he knows that he's the champ, knows that he had Figueredo beat in the last, uh, last fight. Um, and I think he's going to take that belt back, um, which I believe is going to be the first time that a fighter uh, takes a belt from an opponent, loses a belt to that same opponent, and then gets the belt back from the same opponent. 
um, which is just insane unless, um, you know, we have potentially that happen with Amanda Nunez and Juliana Pena, which now, of course, brings us back to uh, one of the most exciting female title fights of all time, um, one of the greatest title fights we've seen in recent years. Um, yeah, this was a great one. Um, I definitely thought that Pena was ideally going to be able to do some more damage. I mean, you know, we did see in the presser after the fact that, um, you know, she was on crutches getting up to the podium. Um, her face was pretty brutally swollen. So, you know, Juliana Pena was doing damage. The problem was that unlike the first fight when Pena was kind of charging forward, she was getting hit by, you know, some of the strikes that she was able to avoid in the first fight. Um, and she wasn't landing the strikes that she was able to land in the first fight. So she didn't have the knockdowns. She didn't have kind of the stunning power that she had in the first fight, as well as Nunez fighting a lot from the southpaw um, position. That threw Pena off a lot. Um, you know, three knockdowns in the second round. Um, I thought a lot of times that Pena was going to get ended. The chin on her is definitely impressive. So, um, you know, we'll see what's next for her. She did, you know, was scrambling, trying to get the finish the entire time, trying to, uh, you know, bring the fight to the ground. Um, she had, you know, an arm bar at one point that looked close to getting the finish. So, you know, you can't just say that she was dominated the entire fight. Um, you know, she was, wasn't even outstruck. Um, Pena landed 130 total strikes um, to Nunez's 126, 60 significant strikes. Um, she was outstruck to 85 from Nunez. But, you know, she was in that fight still. Um, I think it was just a comment by Nunez saying that she could have finished the fight if she wanted to, that she wanted to draw it out. Um, I think that if she had the opportunity to finish Juliana Pena, she would have because she knows how dangerous she always is. You know, I think even 30 seconds left in the fifth round, she was trying to get a submission and actually was coming close to getting those submissions. So I think that was just a comment where Nunez was just, you know, showing a little bravado, excited to have her belt back. Um, but, you know, we'll have to see what's next for both, both these women. Um, you know, Obviously, there were calls for an immediate title fight um, rematch to have the trilogy fight. Obviously, they're both one on one and one. Um, but then now there also been calls for um, Nunez to then fight Shevchenko. Um, I don't know if that would be Shevchenko moving up or that's what I assume. I don't think that uh, Nunez could make the the one twenty five weight cut. Um, but that would be a great fight. That would also be a trilogy fight, although I believe um, Nunez is up 2-0. The second fight was uh, a split decision, um, so I think everyone would be excited to see that one. Um, you know, as for Pena, I think she had to have a little cosmetic surgery on her forehead after that massive chunk got taken out. Um, that was pretty insane. Um, you know, she was just dripping blood. I got to give it to her, but she kept coming forward. Um, she refused to be finished. Uh, she definitely was calling for, you know, a trilogy fight with Nunez. That's probably the best thing for her career maybe right now. Um, but I would say it's not necessarily the best thing for the bantamweight, uh, women's division. I would say, you know, maybe she has a couple other side fights, 
cements herself as the number one contender. Um, while maybe Nunez has that trilogy fight with Shevchenko um, before you know having another f- trilogy fight with Pena, but I, these women are definitely going to fight each other in the future. I, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Nando, what do you think? Shevchenko fight, honestly, and I actually think Shevchenko could win that one. So I think that's best for UFC um, instead of you know the immediate round three, uh, Nunez Pena. I think that um, yeah, you can give um, a little maybe one fight, you know, intermediary, um, and then go for it. But I do like the idea of a Shevchenko um, Nunez fight off the bat. I think you pretty much um, hit it spot on in terms of um, how the Nunez-Pena fight went. I think your prediction was also pretty good. You know, you thought it was going to be a pretty, you know, grueling fight going back and forth, but ultimately leading to, you know, a a Nunez victory um, as, you know, it was overdue. And, you know, it is definitely, you know, her her place as, you know, one of the goats in the game is, is... perhaps cemented but you know what I would really be into a round three against Shevchenko yeah um, I think that would be an extremely exciting fight um, Shevchenko is making some jokes during the fight about how both Pena and Nunez were copying her fighting styles um, which Nunez seemed to laugh off so I think there's definitely still some um, animosity between Nunez and Shevchenko that would definitely create a great uh, trilogy fight. You know, it's a, a chance for Shevchenko to become a double champ and then Nunez to kind of cement her legacy even more. So, um, you know, I think she's cemented herself as the greatest female fighter of all time and now definitely earned the respect and her place as someone in the conversation for just greatest fighter of all time. Um, you know, I think she deserves to be up there in the conversation with Kamara Usman, John Jones, Anderson Silva, GSP, you know, um, she's definitely had the wins under her belt um, to deserve that and just the overall belt wins um, to, yeah, definitely deserve that recognition. Um, So with that, you know, we can definitely look forward to an exciting UFC fight night um, tomorrow night, Santos versus Hill, um, UFC Apex Arena in Vegas. Um, got some exciting fights uh, on this card. Um, while we won't be getting into this fight in depth, we have uh, Kamar Usman's younger brother, Mohamed Usman, uh, fighting in, I believe, his second uh, UFC fight um, in the heavyweight division. He's pretty heavy underdog, but I think that'll just be uh, an exciting fight overall against an undefeated um, Zach Pauga. Uh, but before that... Um, we have one fight that we definitely want to talk about, which is the 14th-ranked uh, Augusto Sakai versus Sergi Spivak um, in the heavyweight division. Uh, Nando, who do you have coming out on top in this one? Yeah, Forbes, I first want to say that I feel like my pronunciation capabilities are always put into test here when we're, when we're talking UFC. <laughs> I mean, you have these guys from all over the world with you know some cool names. So, yeah, we got Spivak versus Sakai. Um, and I think this will be an interesting one. And I think uh, Spivak definitely has um, definitely has the advantage on you know the wrestling front. And I think his question is, can he you know can he put Sakai on the mat? Because um, you know Sakai is you know a little bit of a bigger fighter, um, not like ultra powerful, but like definitely you know capable of 
of of you know doing some damage. Um, but I think that if if um, Spivak, uh, which I anticipate, is gonna you know is gonna wear Sakai down a bit, and you know hopefully, um, or not hopefully, my prediction is that um, this will this will go the distance, but definitely in uh, Spivak's favor, um, and I expect him to win this one. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with the Spivak take. I definitely have him um, coming out on top. You know, he is the minus 280 favorite with Sakai coming in at a plus 230 underdog. Um, you know, it is a great fight uh, in the heavyweight division. Sakai's on a three-fight losing streak after losing to Tai Tuivasa, uh, Zorizo, uh, Rosentruck. Sorry, I think I'd have just butchered that pronunciation, but, uh, and then Alistar Overeem. Um, so, you know, he's definitely going to be hungry for a win, but he's, you know, coming off of three tough losses. He's four years older than Spivak, but has only been in the UFC for a year more. Um, he's KO'd inside two rounds in the past two fights. And that third fight against, uh, all Alistar Overeem, sorry. Um, he was KO'd in the fifth round. So, all three of Sakai's last fights, uh, he's lost by KO. Um, you know, before that, he had won all five of his UFC fights. Um, though, you know, wasn't over the greatest guys. You know, he did have uh, a great win over Andre Arlovski. But, you know, he's getting back in the cage after uh, about 17 months against uh, a surging um, Sergi Spivak, who, you know, coming off of a round one knockout of former NFL scumbag Greg Hardy. Um, so I think that he's going to be feeling good. You know, you mentioned, yeah, that Sakai's a little bigger. He comes in closer to that heavyweight limit of 265, whereas Spivak usually comes in closer to 245. So, you know, that is obviously a significant amount of weight. Um, and that type of weight can translate to a lot of power. Um, but, you know... Spivak was on a, a three-fight win streak before he got KO'd by one of the current top-ranked heavyweights in uh, Tom Aspinall, um, who had that injury to uh, Curtis Blades a couple weeks ago. Um, so he's also submitted Ty to a visa uh, in two rounds in 2019. So I think, yeah, this guy's really hitting his stride in terms of great um, you know, submission skills and KO power. I don't have this go in the distance. Um Five of eight of Spivak's UFC fights have failed to go the distance. Um, I see this definitely being an absolute slugfest. I don't think it's going to get through three rounds. I, I do still have Spivak winning, but I got a, a round two KO, I think, um, in what's definitely going to be an exciting fight. Um, that definitely makes sense. Yeah, and then, you know, next one that we're talking about, uh, right before the main card uh, event is the number six ranked Vincente Luque versus number 13th ranked uh, Geoff Neal uh, in the welterweight division with Luque coming in as a minus 180 favorite and then Neal as a plus 150 uh, underdog. Sorry. Um, Nando, I think you said that you were going to take Neal in this one. How do you think that uh, he's going to pull this upset off against Luque? Sorry, um, his uh, boxing ability. 
I think that um, I think this guy's also a savage. Um, and I would say Luke. If this becomes a fight where Luke is like really getting the advantage with like with his kicks um, and you know doing damage um, to to Neil, that just wears him wears him down. I mean, I think if it goes the distance, this is Luke's um, Luke's fight to be honest. But I see a sneaky knockout here, a sneaky knockout potential rather in Neil here. I think he's. I think he's the one to do it. I think this will be a, a great fight either way. Uh, I'm expecting to see to see high pace, um, a lot of volume here, but um, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna give the little underdog um, the go on this one. Yeah, I I think that's a fair call. Honestly, I do have it going to decision, and so I'd have Luke winning by decision. Um, you know, this is going to be a great top fifteen matchup in the welterweight division. Um, I think it would be pretty great if Neil could win because, you know, Usman's just going around the division and lapping everybody and they need, you know, someone new uh, to challenge him. Um, you know, is he going against uh, Leon Edwards? Um, it's about to fight him for the second time. He's already beat Masvidal twice. He's beat Colby Covington twice. Um, you know, it's like, Definitely needs a little bit of new blood in the in the division, um, but I do have Luke coming out with a decision win. Uh, he's been in the UFC since 2015. He's has uh, 18 UFC fights under his belt, and he's 14 and four. Uh, first loss in the UFC came in uh, the Ultimate Fighter season 21 finale. Um, since then, he's lost to Leon Edwards. Um, who, like I said, is currently uh, next to challenge Kamaru Usman uh, for the belt. Uh, Steven Wonderboy Thompson, two-time title challenger and currently the seventh-ranked welterweight in the division. Um, and then his most recent loss was in a rematch to the fifth-ranked welterweight in the division, Bilal Muhammad, um, who has been trying to you know, make the case for his own title shot in maybe uh, two fights or, or after this, his next fight. Um, so he has the the wins over notable guys. You know, he even has a submission win over former champ and incredible um, wrestler Tyron Woodley. KO Jalen Turner, um, you know, had a pretty great decision win over Platinum Mike Perry. Um, to screw that guy, he sucks. Um, kind of a racist. Anyways, you know, looking at Neil on the other side, um, he, uh, he's been in the UFC since 2017. Um, he has some impressive wins over Blow Muhammad, uh, who beat uh, Luke one time, Mike Perry, the racist guy that I mentioned. And a little backstory, that guy says that he can say the N-word because he's like 2% African-American. Um, so that comment isn't coming out of left field. Anyways, you know, he also has a loss to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, which in my opinion suggests that um, you know pure kickboxers give both of these guys um, a little uh, challenge. So you know Neil's got two straight losses, and then he was able to strap scrap a decision win uh, from Santiago Ponzinibbio. Yeah, that was really bad, I know. Um, but who's you know strong fighter out of Argentina. So you know. He was absolutely dominated by Stephen Thompson to the point where Stephen Thompson like checked in with him after he hit him with a nice jab. Um, so, you know, I think this is definitely going to be a fight of absolute fireworks. Um, I do see it going three rounds to the distance, and uh, you know, Luke picking up the 
the win. Um, you know, it's definitely going to be exciting, but I got the, the smart money going with the number six ranked welterweight here um, and Luke coming by unanimous decision. Um, which, yeah, then that brings us to our main event of the night, which is Tiago Santos versus Small Hill. How do you see this one shaking down? Yeah, you know, you have sixth-ranked uh, Tiago Santos coming in at the plus-250 underdog, uh, number 10-ranked Jamal Hill, minus-310 favorite in this light heavyweight uh, bout. You know, yeah, you mentioned the uh, the John Jones fight uh, between Tiago Santos, John Jones. Um, definitely one that people look back at and argue that Santos uh, should have been given the, the win after um, a pretty brutal split decision loss. Um, I think Santos tore ligaments in both of his knees um, during or uh, before that fight. Um, and so, yeah, to claim that he was in the best shape of his life now probably isn't the most accurate statement. Um, and then, yeah, on the other side, you know, you have Jamal Hill, absolute KO artist, has been um, absolutely exemplary um, in this division. So, you know, it's going to be tough. I see it going maybe closer to the end of the third round um but i also have hill with the the knockout um you know santos is going to try and keep keep him at distance try and kickbox him um but yeah i think hill's got this one um and hopefully we'll have a uh, two exciting uh ufc cards in a row after those you know two main card injuries in a row um and then that'll uh lead us up to a pretty exciting uh ufc card coming next week we got Marlon Chito Vera versus Dominic Cruz um, and a couple other fun fights there uh, that we'll talk about next week after we break down our picks uh, after this card tomorrow night. Uh, Thanks for stopping by and we'll see you next week.